You're listening to the What Do You Actually Do podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview, a useful tip or encouraging message to help you find your place in the professional world. Hello and welcome to this episode of What Do You Actually Do? My name's Kate Morris and I'll be your host today. In today's episode, we'll be talking about working in journalism and editing. Today, we're joined by Adam Smith, who works at The Economist as audience engagement editor. So Adam, what do you actually do? Um, thanks for having me. It's nice You're to welcome. speak about myself for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my job title is audience engagement editor, like yeah. you said, which is a fancy way of saying that it's my job to get people online having a conversation about The Economist's writing and our ideas. And so that means that I primarily work on social media. Mm -hmm. So I work on a thing called the social media team at The Economist, which um, does lots of things, one of which is the conversational stuff that I do. And that means that I work on all of our social media presences. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, a bit of Snapchat, uh, Line, which is a chat app in Asia, and LinkedIn and a few others to get people talking about everything that The Economist writes about. Because the founding mission of The Economist as a newspaper 175 years ago... Good fact. (laughs) ...was to have a... Are you ready for this language? It's really ancient Victorian language. We were founded to to take part in a severe contest between an intelligence which presses forward and an unworthy, timid ignorance obstructing our progress. Just a really fancy-dancy Victorian uh, kind of highfalutin way of saying that society needs to have um, an ongoing rigorous discussion about business and politics and science and the arts and everything in society. And uh, you need to bring like rational thought to bear on that and good journalism and we want to take part in that big discussion and so that's kind of our founding mission as a newspaper really um based on liberal values Mm -hmm. and so our but our founding editor james wilson in 1843 could never have imagined something like twitter or something like facebook so now over the past few years that's what we've we've been we've taken that mission from 175 years ago into the social media space that's what i do so you're encouraging that kind of talk are you how do you do that are you responding to people's tweets and kind of having a bit of a conversation with them firing them up you know how, how does yeah it so um the primary primary way that we do it is um simply by sharing our content mm. you know as a newspaper um in print every week we have around about 100 articles Online every day, there'll be a a couple of articles. Mm -hmm. We also every week produce a bunch of videos and a bunch of podcasts. And so, and that's content that comes from our writers, correspondents, video producers, podcast producers. And most of that content is made with, with, uh, um, uh, I wouldn't say it's made with conversation in mind, but it's certainly made um to offer something new to that severe contest Mm -hmm. that I mentioned that's the point of doing anything in journalism you want to be moving the conversation on in society about something so that all of that content is um is basically given to us on the social media team and it's that that we use to spark conversation so simply by sharing it Mm -hmm. by sharing in the right places online and in the right ways including sometimes asking questions 
then um, that's the first primary way that we get conversation going. And then there are some more instrumental ways that we do it, um, such as running a Facebook group, which is one of my jobs. We actually have two Facebook groups, um, which is a way of sort of diverting off from the main Facebook activity that we have, where we have about, I think it's about 8 million followers, Mm -hmm. um, diverting off those people of those 8 million who really want to have a really, really deep, detailed and civil conversation. So we make this smaller Facebook group, which we much more actively moderate and are present in. And it's me, it's my little face that pops up and says, hi, I'm the moderator and here's today's question. And here's maybe some content, here's an article or something. And uh, what do you think about this? Um, You know, what do you think about this issue? Like, you know, it's about gun control in America Mm. a day after another mass shooting. Should American gun laws be tightened up? Um, And so, you know, in those Facebook groups, we have like a few thousand people, obviously much smaller than our followers of our page, which is millions and millions. But that means that we can have a more active and engaging conversation with those people. So sometimes it's very instrumental in that way and very active and and so on. Does anything happen with those conversations? Does that sort of fuel new stories or investigations? And just is it sort of a one-way street? For us currently, it is mostly a one-way street because of the way that The Economist works and has worked traditionally because it's our... um, custom really as a newspaper to be the kind of newspaper that says you pay us through your subscription to find out what's going on in the world and we will tell you that and that's literally why you're paying us um so it's similar to like being in a restaurant where you want to sit down and you want somebody to serve you your food right it's a different experience if you have to go up to the counter and collect your food and then go to the till and pay for it whereas a lot of uh, newspapers and websites and magazines they are using social media to feed back ideas from the audience into the journalism. That's not to say that we won't ever do that Mm. in some form. I can't see it happening on a mass scale at the moment because that's not really what people expect from The Economist. It's great that other other publications do that, but currently it's not something that people expect The Economist to do. They Mm. they think of us as a a box of writers and thinkers who are well plugged into what's going on in the world and will tell them exactly that. So um, it might be that on a small scale we experiment with a little bit of that. Um, And we have already done so actually. As I said, my job title has the word engagement in it and we have done some small scale projects this summer that uh, have been about um, getting the audience to feed in to certain particular stories that we've worked on. Um, but not very much, so we'll, we'll see. It's okay. a very dynamic job, really, and yeah. and it's and not just my job specifically, but this job in the media industry mm. in general is changing quite a lot. And the way that any publication would answer your question today will be different to how they okay. answer it in two years' time. So, how did you get into the sort of the world of audience engagement then? Because your background's in more sort of what people would think of as traditional journalism. Yeah. So how did you break into this and sort of realise this is an area that you are interested in and want to be involved in? Because I was being a pretty traditional journalist, as you said. I was covering the politics of science for a newspaper. It's a pretty niche subject, but it was great. Um, so I was reporting on... Basically, if you think of 
a, a political correspondent in, who hangs around in Westminster um, and says what the Brexit negotiations are. Mm-hmm. I was doing that, but specifically around science. Okay. Um, and that was very traditional in the sense that um, I was finding out what was going on. I was writing stories about it for the web or for print. And um, uh, and and that was it, basically. And I was really interested in the the opportunity that social media and the internet mm. presented us with to have a big conversation in society about though about that subject because I yeah. think it's really important how science is funded, mm. um, how science is regulated, who chooses what science is done, and all of those things. Mm. Bearing in mind that it's five billion pounds a year that the public is spending on science. Yeah much of which comes to the University of York, you know, and to all the science departments that you have here. And the conversation wasn't big enough. Mm. People weren't involved in that conversation. But I failed to convince my editors where I was to try to open up that conversation a bit more. And for us as journalists to be working um, more than just writing our stories, but to be using social media more and having a bigger public conversation about Mm. that. So I thought, well, okay, I can't, do that big public conversation about this one particular niche area so therefore I should look at how I can be part of a bigger conversation mm-hmm. elsewhere and I saw a job at The Economist which was on the then new social media team which was in 2015 we were quite late to the social media game and uh, they needed they was they were basically building a social media team and so I looked at I knew that The Economist like covered everything politics business science, finance, economics, uh, social issues, and thought, well, okay, if I can't be part of a big conversation, if I can't take a small issue and and bring it into a big conversation, I'll just join a big conversation that's about everything. And so that's, um, so I applied for that job and got that job. So, I mean, you said, how did I break in? And it was kind of just by thinking about what I wanted to do and then shopping around. And there was a job that I applied for. So this job now sounds like it's giving you that opportunity to be involved in that conversation and given that it's a new team to really, I guess, shape things that are happening there. Any other sort of particular elements of the job that you really enjoy, that you really sort of love about it? I really enjoy being in a a, a building full of really, really big brains mm-hmm who are debating what the world should be like every single moment of the day. That's the business that we're in in the editorial department is looking at what's going on in the world, analysing it, talking about it, arguing about it amongst ourselves, and then deciding collectively what The Economist should say about those things. That's a very much a unique aspect of The Economist because... We don't have bylines in the newspaper, so you don't know who's written which article, and that's okay. usually because no article is written by one person. They're mostly collaborative efforts, and in any case, there is a, there is a singular unifying voice, to mm. which is the economist's voice. Um, that presents us with some problems on social media, which is very much often about personal profile yeah. and the currency of the individual and the power of an individual writer or columnist or something. Um, So that presents us with some problems on the social media team, or some challenges, I should say. Um, But nevertheless, it's great being in a big giant room with really clever people who know, 
you know, all sorts of things about whether an aviation uh, carbon tax could work and, and, and how and why we should do that or not do that. And um, what are the implications of gay marriage in one country versus another country? Or, you know, all these different things. And we're just constantly debating and talking about these things. So that's the thing that I love the most is being in that environment about talking mm. about all of those things. And then another thing that I love is uh, working with the junior people who are on my team and mentoring them, really. Okay. Um, so that's also presents its challenges and there are also some yeah. aspects of that that I don't <laughs> enjoy. Um, but uh, it's good, really, really, really good fun to hire someone junior to develop them, mm. to um, get them to recognise what they can do and how great they are and how great they can be and build up their confidence and then see them uh, work really well. And I, I just yesterday um, bade farewell to a colleague that I hired a little over a year ago um, so, that it, so that she can go and work in the newsroom at Reuters News Agency. Cool. So that's brilliant yeah. and it's really gratifying to see that. Is there anything that sort of less enjoyable about the job let's say I would say it's kind of the same thing it's like yeah. managing people yeah. is always a struggle sometimes because some individuals are difficult yeah. um, and I say that in terms of managing the people who report to me the juniors but also the people above me mm. who you have to I have to manage as well and that's especially a case because I'm on the social media team at a newspaper that's 175 years old yeah. And some of my colleagues have been working with us for 175 years, or it seems like they have. And <laughs> they have old ways of doing things and yeah. old ways of thinking about things. And you have to convince them. And some of them you can write off and say, well, look, I'm never going to convince you that as a newspaper, we need to be digital in 2018. I'm never going to convince you of that. So I'll write you off. But most people, I think that I can persuade just enough and um, get them to see the opportunity that social media and mm. digital stuff brings us as a newspaper, bearing in mind that founding mission that I mentioned. That's interesting because that's that dealing with people, that's an issue in any kind of profession, isn't it? Definitely. So it's not like journalism's any better or worse than yeah. anything else in that. Sense. I think in journalism specifically, there are a lot of egos. Yeah. Again, you would get that in lots of different yeah. places. Um, and so, yeah, so dealing with different people's egos is, can be difficult, um, especially in journalism because the, the, the point of a journalist really is to know what's going on in the yeah. world. And that's the way that ego often manifests itself in a newsroom is I know about this. Mm. Well, I know about this. Yeah. I well, know I know more. more. Yeah. I know more than you. <laughs> and we don't have arguments like in the, in that tone that I just said, but kind of, um, there is somewhat of a competition yeah. sometimes about who knows the best thing. And I think, I'm sure that's not unique to journalism, but that is something that is very distinctive about mm. working with journalists and editors. Um, okay, so you said at the start that your role is different across every different publication, and that's partly because digital is still relatively new no one knows where it's going are there any other sort of key challenges or things on the horizon that students should be trying to anticipate and think about what kind of skills they might need to break into this sector yeah I think that whatever I say now is going to not apply in six months time because it changes so much but oh. that therefore means that the foundational skill is adaptability and flexibility okay. and um 
to, yeah so really that just to know that uh things change so much in in social media and specifically around publishers and how publishers use social media um and journalists and how they use social media so number one to be flexible and adaptable that might be quite hard to demonstrate mm. Um, unless you've had enough experience where you can show how you did adapt or did yeah. flex in one partic- from one particular thing to another. Um, and if you worked on your student newspaper, for example, within the course of a year, at least, you would have done a few different things and mm. changed a few different things in how you operate on social media. And if you haven't, then as a newspaper, you've been stagnating and your editor has been making some mistakes. So um, I think that would be one thing would be okay. to uh, basically make sure that you are adaptable and to somehow uh, find a way to be able to demonstrate that you have adapted mm. to one situation or another. Um and then I think it's kind of similar, but to know a bit about the social media industry, mm-hmm. by which I mean what's Facebook up to, what new products is it building, um, how are users using it differently now to how they used it a year ago, um, and how are publishers and social media platforms working together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's That's basically been a huge story over the past few years is the way that publishers and social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat work together, especially in an era of disinformation, what the president of the US calls fake news, and um, the decline in trust in the media, which has been partly accelerated by the uh, publisher's inability some time ago to really influence how the platforms dealt with news and how they distributed Mm. news and that's changed quite a lot now and I work with people at Facebook and Twitter and the other platforms um, to make sure that publishers like us are um, basically that our content is treated well and that Mm. we can influence how those platforms use the content so I think that it's I mean, personally, I find it really, really interesting anyway, this particular thing about, like, what is journalism for in social media when anyone can publish? And uh, how do you how do people receive journalism and news and what constitutes high quality news and what constitutes news that people need for to their daily lives and what constitutes news that people need as sort of like nutrients for being a good citizen Mm. in society? And and how do we use technology to get all of these things when most of the technology in the social media platforms is built for distraction you know oh there's another nice cake on instagram is that really helping Mm. you be a good citizen in society rather than knowing what's going on in westminster and the negotiations over brexit i'm not saying don't have cake but you also need to know what's going on with brexit so these huge conversations that the news industry is having with platforms social media platforms I think is really important and I personally would be very impressed if someone a a relatively junior person or a graduate applied to join my team and knew a little bit about what was going on in that conversation between publishers and platforms and there are places where you can go to read about that that. (laughs) oh sorry go on any tips for where they can start their research into that? Yeah, area? so there's um, an outfit in the US called the Neiman Lab, N-I-E-M-A-N, I think, Neiman Lab, and they're based um, at Harvard University, and they um, there's the Neiman Lab and the Neiman Foundation, and they report as journalists and thinkers quite a lot about this particular space. Okay. 
And there's also a similar institute at Oxford University, the Reuters Oxford Journalism Institute, and they produce quite hefty reports on this sort of thing. And there's also a website called DigiDay, which covers these things similarly, but less academic and more on the commercial side. And so um, to find out what's going on, that those yeah. things are really helpful. And also specifically, if you want to look parochially, my team has a blog on Medium called Severe Contest. And that is written by me and people on my team where we say what The Economist is doing on mm-hmm. social media and what is mostly influencing our thoughts around this particular space. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been really interesting. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your time in York. Thank you very much. It's been great to be here and uh, talk to all of your students. Thanks for joining us this week on What Do You Actually Do? This episode was hosted by myself, Kate Morris, edited by Raquel Bartra and produced by both of us. If you love this podcast, spread the word and subscribe. Are you eager to get more tips? Follow University of York Careers and Placements on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. All useful links are in this episode description. This has been produced at the University of York Careers and Placements. For more information, visit york.ac.uk forward slash careers.